Welcome to the Wizard of Whiskey podcast, the podcast dedicated to the hedonist lifestyle. This is January 1st, 2019. I hope most of you are warm and dry and safe and enjoy this new season. I had the opportunity to visit Livermore Valley in California, and I was stunned by the amazing wines, hospitality, rock star winemakers, and spirits. This is episode 28, part one of my Livermore excursion. Hi, I'm Phil Long. I own Longevity Wines. I'm the founder and winemaker, and I've brought an older cab and a newer cab sample today. Excellent. I'm Michael Eckert. Uh, I have two identities, uh, Eckert Estate Winery, which has been uh, in existence since 2000. And uh, four years ago, when we moved to a business park, we saw an opportunity to branch into distilled spirits. So at that point, we started the Artisan Spirits, distill, uh, Artisan Spirits and Brandy Works uh, label. And uh, all of the spirits are <coughs> distilled from wine, so they're all essentially variations of brandy. And we have a fairly long list from vodka to absinthe and in between. So today I was actually going to uh, introduce you to some of the uh, brandies. Excellent. So I'm John Kinney, and I'm the owner of Acacia Winery and also the owner of Sidewinder Spirits Company. So we have a winemaking arm and a uh, distilled spirits arm. We distill both grape and grain spirits, uh, primarily focusing on gin and uh, whiskeys for the grain spirits and uh, brandies and grappas for the grape spirits. And I brought a sweet vermouth and uh, a uh, Malvasia Bianca that's slightly off dry. And uh, just for fun, uh, uh, one of our heritage Cabernet Sauvignons, uh, which is a little bit uh, of, a, of a more traditional Livermore uh, fruit. So we're here at uh, at Sidewinder Spirits, which is uh, one of the most interesting uh, tasting rooms that I've that I've been in. Um, and as you as you've listened, um, I've been in a lot of distillery tasting rooms. Um, so this is modeled after um, you said eighteen eighties to nineteen twenties uh, around there. Yes, it's that a, actually it's a spitting image. As well. <laughs> we're in a tilt up industrial building, but inside it's as close as we can get to an old railway saloon that existed in Livermore circa eighteen ninety. To get, uh, you know, we have to be very careful. People come here expecting to see an ancient building. Uh, <laughs> it's really from the outside, it's a dump. <laughs> so. Uh, some of the best spirits I've ever had have been in places that uh, look identical on the outside, but uh, but it's what's inside that counts, as as people say. Uh, so we're we're starting off with a little um, uh, vermouth uh, to get us to get us going. Uh, can you <clears throat> tell us a little bit about the vermouth? So this is uh, a vermouth that we call we'd like to say handcrafted, but that doesn't mean anything anymore. So it's really. <laughs> Uh, we make every part of this in-house except for the, uh, the herbs, spices, barks, and roots. So it uses our Sauvignon Blanc, 
and it uses our own uh, barrel-aged brandy. But what we're trying to do here is create a vermouth that's clean and focused, bringing out, in the sweet vermouth case, elements of cardamom, uh, bitter orange, and some deeper base notes, a uh, little bit of uh, rosemary. Um, we're trying to, to create this uh, so that it melds well, not just as an aperitif, or as you're enjoying it now, as an aperitif for its own, own little uh, low-alcohol cocktail, but also it marries well, I think, in a modern interpretation of the Manhattan, which uh, is the classic drink. It's, uh, it's devoid of the rancio or the oxidized character of a great many of the uh, more conventionally produced uh, vermouths. All right. Um, a vermouth because this is dry. It's maybe I should pour the sweet one first. What do you think? Yeah. No, because it's the dry is yeah, going to be. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Might want to ease into the dry one. Did you release this already? Yeah. Okay. Here we are. Oh, we haven't released the. Uh, it should be cold. <coughs> Thanks. And some cheese sticks would be good. Some Mozzarella cheese sticks. Please work. Yeah, those would be fun. Okay. We do have pretzels. We actually have a spit bucket up there. What happened to it? We do. At the winery, we do. I do have a stuff bucket. Here you guys go. So this is a remarkably different wine. This is uh, Malvasia Bianca. It's uh, not very many acres of this are planted in the coastal zones. Uh, this one we get from Del Arroyo Vineyard up above the hills of here. Um, Those are dice we, we, love the, yeah, <laughs> we love the perfume from this. And so we like to leave it a little off dry. This has about a percent of residual sugar in it. And uh, we think that the little bit of sweetness helps to frame the fruit. Makes it, to me, a very nice uh, wine to enjoy with a lot of foods and also with summer. We also took some of this and we distilled it. And we now have an eau de vie made from the Maltesia. So uh, we're hoping to eventually release that next year. Excellent. <coughs> um, I love... Uh, interesting esoteric um, wine and, and spirits um, so uh, back to your vermouth it was um, it was very clean and I I'm looking forward to trying that in a Manhattan um, the rosé I'm a huge Grenache rosé fan love Grenache rosé um, and uh, the Malvisia I mean that was that was pretty stellar yeah so, so it makes a wonderful uh, spirit too awesome if you're into that but I think with the name whiskey. So yeah, I. <coughs> so, yeah. <coughs> All right. So we're snacking. We're tasting cabs. So you know, for anyone who's listened to me before, Tuesday. Um, what do, <coughs> what do we have here? So this is our 2011 cab that um, won best of class in the Chronicle in 2016. And all of our all of our higher end cabs, we, we barrel ferment. Um, but back in eleven, I think it's probably a higher percentage of cab. I always maybe spruce it up with just a splash of 
petite Fredot or, or <clears throat> maybe a bit of Cab Franc before we moved into the age of selling out of Cab and started adding more Merlot to the mix. So this is like no Merlot and then the 14 22% Merlot. I um, tell you what I like about Livermore cabs. Mm. They're not Napa cabs. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> where's Napa? <clears throat> where's, where's Napa? It's, it's uh, that somewhere, in, somewhere in California. Yeah, okay. yeah I've tried that once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this fruit is just just right up the street on the on Vasco on the left hand side of the road. So close you could touch it. So pretty close. That's really nice. That just begs for a steak. Yeah. <coughs> then the other cab I brought is our 2014 <coughs> cab. I suppose I should probably. Which is about uh, 22% Merlot, 3% Petite Fredot, and the rest 75%. Yeah, close to that. Yeah. I don't know why. So, like I said, the 11 is the best of class, the 12 is 90 points enthusiast, the 13 is 90 points enthusiast, and this is sitting in Jim Gordon's office waiting for him to have the urge to open it. <laughs> the Merlot thing, we were just selling through too fast. We just were having excess Merlot and we're selling through cab too quickly, so we started extending our volume, so to speak. That's fair. What percentage is this for a while? 22 and 3% petite per Both very clean, minerally driven. The tannin and the acid is there, but it's not going to... They said bring two, <coughs> otherwise I'd have brought a 12 and a 13. Wow, what a know. John can make up for it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, is it our turn to... This is our... I think it is. So... This is our 2014 Heritage Cabernet. We have two cabs. The um, Founders is the white label cab. And uh, that's more in a modern style. So it's pleasant to drink when you uh, open the bottle. The uh, 14 Heritage Cab here is a little bit highly strung because the Heritage wines are really uh, more of an age-worthy wine. So the tannins will be a little bit a little bit more pronounced initially in the bottle. That's the 14. Um, we make about 70 cases of heritage wines every year. And uh, we just sent it yesterday for review. The 13 was a 93-point wine. Um, but I think just structurally this is more pleasing. I think it has better potential. I'm not... Uh, who knows what Jim Gordon at my enthusiast will think. Doesn't really matter. I, I like this one. Well, that's nice. That's lush and clean. The vodka is supposed to be clean. It's like rinsing, you rinse your glass of this, right? Yeah. So does uh, I'm, and I'm curious. You forgive my ignorance. I'm, I'm, which is one of the reasons I'm in Livermore is to, to learn more about it. Yes. Um, does it have a, a spirits tradition? 
Does does Livermore have a spirits tradition? Uh, We're dist- distilling tradition. Okay. So yes, historically. Um, so the, the one of, there were four gold medals awarded at the 1889 Paris Exposition. Everybody knows about the grand prize that was uh, uh, awarded for Sauvignon Blanc from Charles Wetmore's Presto Blanco. But, uh, it was mistakenly reported in the press and then later corrected. There was also a brandy that won in the competition against the great brandies from Cognac, Armagnac. Man, and, shop. Uh, yeah, i got to look that story up. The bottle. We had a tremendous bottle. tradition. Make sure. Should we take a picture? Yeah. Oh. So then it kind of turned a little criminal during Prohibition uh, when the Gallo brothers were arrested uh, peddling moonshine here in the valley. They were making the moonshine up in the canyons. And uh, because they, the canyons were inaccessible and uh, had a good source of water and grain. And there was an old oil uh, production facility up there so they could disguise brandies and whiskeys coming up and down the mountain as uh, oil trucks. So um, in the 1920s, during the height of Prohibition, um, the Gallo brothers, the original Gallo brothers, Joseph uh, Gallo, the senior, they, with Mike Gallo, they were arrested. And uh, Manning the still was Ernest Gallo. And, uh, Ernest and Julia Gallo, the kids, were, were running, found running the still. I don't know which is worse, than running the still or being out of school. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so we had a, uh, the famous doctor of uh, six stills was arrested here. And um, it was, uh, we had a crooked sheriff that was also arrested here. Was that Johnny Michaels? No. No. Nope. It was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I heard stories of John Miles. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to go back and get his name. Earl Warren was the guy who was the prosecuting attorney in Alameda County that went on to become uh, Chief Justice. Court Justice. He, uh, one of his first acts was to nail this guy and uh, get him arrested. So we have kind of a checkered past, but in the early days, uh, from 1806 down in the Mission San Jose area up to Prohibition, we were really known for creating some of the best brandies uh, in the United States and the world, actually. Really? Wow. Probably because of that. It gives a brief description of the vibe. Because that's, uh, that's our experience with distillation. Definitely makes you warm. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I find attractive about the vodka is it has flavor. A good vodka should does have flavor. Should have flavor. Surprisingly, maybe it's I'm looking at a absent bottle or something. I get a little anise. You sense anise in there? I, I don't know how it got it's there. Probably <laughs> because I just had a cat when I saw me some nuts. <laughs> it's funny how the taste perceptions are. I don't get it in the nose, but when I think about it, I kind mm-hmm. of pull it out. But maybe it's because it's looking at it or something like that. So why is it that most vodkas don't have much flavor? Like this. How come what? Why is it that most vodka's uh, like I'm going to make a leap and say it has a lot to do with carbon filtering, which is uh, sacrilegious to me. Ah. You know, if you don't do a very clean distillation, the best next thing is to carbon filter it. And it's, uh, <coughs> alcohol. Uh, got it. So this is sipping vodka. Not to be uh, enjoyed. Mm. And I appreciate that. 
I, I just came from a judging with the American Distilling Institute, and we did oh. went through about. <clears throat> Vodka falls into many different categories. Ones that you know you want some of that, um, uh, you know, residual, mm -hmm. so that you actually get a little bit of character. And ones that are clean and just mixing vodkas. It's it's just a spirit to mix, and literally its purpose is just to add alcohol to something else. Um, <clears throat> but uh, and I and I appreciate that. Um, Having gone through hundreds of moonshines in the past, and, and white whiskeys and other white clear spirits um, <clears throat> over the past several years, um, I appreciate uh, a clear spirit that actually is well balanced. So, nice, nice job on this one. Oh, thank you. I'm very proud of it. Yeah, it's very good. I don't think that I've had it before. Uh, it is sip worthy. I just yeah. think vodka, like you said, yeah. something you blend with something else. Mm -hmm. uh, so the next one I brought, since you're a brown liquor kind of guy, <laughs> so I've got two versions of this. This is my four-year-old brandy, and uh, two versions, uh, one being cask strength and the other being 45%. Cask strength on this is 63. So, and I brought water. <laughs> I don't. But I don't see water it. Oh, yourself. We have water too. This deionized. Who knows what this is? Purified. I don't know what that means, but it's probably good enough. Probably good enough. So. <clears throat> Oh yeah, uh, we sell uh, we sell the cast strength in the tasting room is seventy dollars. It's pretty strong. Uh, we encourage people to add a little water to it to really taste it. How's it going to cloud up, or is it going to stay clear? Well, it's, well, it won't be time for it to cloud up. Added more, you know. But I did bring a, a version of it. So this is the same brandy uh, already watered down to forty-five. If you don't want to mess with that, I'm interested to actually. Taste both. Yeah. That was my thought. So yeah, if, you, right. if you don't know what, how much water you're putting in it, age? this is. So this you might appreciate. It's not traditional. So if you taste that and you think that's kind of an untraditional brandy, it was aged in 15-gallon single-use rye whiskey casks. So I bought uh, rye whiskey barrels from Dad's Hat uh, Distillery on the East Coast and uh, put brandy, they were still wet when I got them, so they were still uh, saturated pretty much with the rye whiskey. Nice. And it adds a, adds a very interesting, in my opinion, a very interesting spice to it. And it makes it seem somewhat like a bourbon. Brandy's coming back. Brandy's making a huge comeback, and I was just gonna say, I don't see a lot of cash drink brandies. Um, the ice cube, sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> so you brought up the point about is it going to cloud up? Have you experienced flocking already? So that's uh, those fatty lipids will come out of solution. Right, I know. Usually it's... One of the reasons I'm pouring this at cast strength wow. is because of the flocking uh, problem. And I'm in the process of proofing this down very slowly so as to yeah. avoid the flocking. But meanwhile, I can't be out of brandy. Right, yeah. <laughs> so... 
which is a good fix. I mean, I've seen I've seen it take you know months to get something it proofed down months. to it yeah. Takes months. Yeah. yeah. Um, Would you like to try it at forty five? Absolutely. I I got a, a very interesting nose, um, <clears throat> almost what I would consider. How do I put this delicately? Like butterscotch dipped jala, uh, jalapeno. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm wondering if that's still on there. There is. Uh, this did spend two months after the rye whiskey barrels. It spent two months in, months in Hungarian oak. Ah. So you, you smell. Well, that would the, explain the bacon fat, I guess. You smell the remnants, and you get that vanilla from the uh, white American of barrels. You get that? Get that? Well, you have you have to drink it down, yeah. and then you can smell just the. So it's the resin. Try it at forty-five. Ah, I'd like forty-five. Oh, I've already got it. I just I was oh. any. It's really good. Yeah, it's definitely leaving some of those vanillas behind. You're right. <clears throat> just turned four years old in December. Oh, happy birthday! That's very nice. And the jalapeno was just a heat descriptor. It wasn't necessarily what I'm smelling. I'm searching for the jalapeno. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not on the nose. It's really more of a heat descriptor. We've um, got a barrel of 2015 cab. It's mm. like we call it the nacho barrel. We don't know what to do with it. <laughs> because it was the year of the shot berries. Mm -hmm. And this particular bunch just weird. But it's just like jalapeno. And so I'm thinking put a little lactam. Bacteria in there, get it to sour. You get cheesy sour flavors with the lack of ghastly wine. It would taste like uh, cheese dip. Not just cheese dip. Well, we are going to wrap up episode one uh, with uh, what Tammy is calling the block guys. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hopefully, my liver uh, will uh, be able to sustain me. I uh, will catch you at the next episode. Cheers. You want to make him a...